During this pandemic, one thing has become very clear to me. It's that life is too short to not be living your dream. What is your dream? Do you dream of becoming an interior designer? If so, you'll want to head over to affordableinteriordesign.com academy. There you'll find a quiz that will help you determine the best path for you to becoming an interior designer. Do you want to work at a high-end firm? Are you hoping to maybe open your own business? Or is this something that maybe you should just keep as a hobby? Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy. There you'll find a quiz that I personally crafted to help set you on the correct path to make your interior design dreams a reality. You don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. Hey, everybody. How are you? For such a long time, it was so quiet around here. Everyone was hunkered down, but maybe feeling uncertain and out of routines. But now, here on Main Street... Everyone is kind of settled in. Everyone kind of gets the drill. Nobody's going to work. And so they're starting to be louder. They're starting to rock out to their music during the day. Cars are starting to go by. People are feeling more confident in their masks. So the noise level is back. If you hear extra dogs barking, extra music playing, you know, people aren't going to work. And they're getting a little stir crazy with this beautiful weather. So people around me here are rocking out. I hope you're rocking out in your own way. Um, I want to thank you all for your notes of support, for your emails, for your updates on your projects. It seems like you guys are doing a lot of home improvement while you're safe at home. And that's exciting. I'm loving seeing those after pictures. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention is that I really, really appreciate all your support in terms of the premium membership model. You guys have asked me, Betsy, how can we help during this time? What can we do to show our support for your podcast? And the very best way to show me your love, to let me know that you want this podcast week after week is to become a premium member. Not only do you get access to our bonus archives as well as our bonus monthly episode. You're also helping us to sustain this program because that bonus membership money goes directly to producing this podcast week after week. If you want to become a premium member, head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash podcast. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com dot com slash podcast. You can click there to become a member for $5.99 a month or $49.99 a year. And it really does make a huge difference. Okay, you guys have questions. I have answers. Let's get to it. The first comes from Megan. Megan writes, Hi, Betsy. Thank you so much for the podcast and for your book. I have learned so much from them. I have saved most of your very first podcast that had the basic design lessons and the retailers you love for specific products. I have listened to them multiple times and I have taken lots of notes as I prepared for my husband and I to buy our first house. 
All right, Megan, I'm going to pause you right there. So if you listen to those first podcasts go all the way back five years ago, you will hear those primers, right? And that information has not really changed, those basics. However, the information that has changed radically is how I feel about stores and their products. Every season, my opinions change on things, but sometimes, you know, uh, stores change manufacturers or stores go out of business or the landscape changes and my feelings about stores change too. That's why it is so important as a designer or someone in this field who works with retailers to really have hands-on knowledge of these products because things change. Uh, I used to like West Elm sofas. Now I don't. The pendulum has swung. So things that were true at one time certainly are not always true in terms of favorite shops. Keep listening to the most recent podcast. Write in if there's a store you want me to weigh in on. But that's the one thing that I feel is not true from back then till now. All right, let's get into your questions. You write, Betsy, we live in San Antonio, Texas, and we wanted an older fixer-upper for a number of reasons. Mainly, we love the character, the big trees, and the larger yards of the older homes. We certainly have found what we were looking for. We found a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath house with a great yard, great trees, and definitely character. We have already totally gutted this Home Depot special 90s kitchen. We added lighting, installed new cabinets, added countertops, etc. I absolutely adore the results. The reason I'm writing you is because I have no idea how to lay out the very large, very long living room. The room is about 14 and a half feet wide by 27 feet long. It has a beautiful stone fireplace in the middle of this peaked roof room. I have added some built-in shelves and a coat closet to the wall under the stairs. It's still incomplete in the photos I'm sending. It is wide enough to have a walking space behind the couch. We are replacing the sliding door to the backyard with French doors eventually. We don't want a TV over the fireplace because it would be too high for the location of the couch. Therefore, the TV will have to be located on one side of the fireplace. I do have a cedar chest and an antique settee that we could maybe create a reading or bar area to one side of the fireplace. I'm also considering creating a dog feeding area right by the French doors so it would be easy to let them out after feeding. But I'm not positive about any of these options. Here are the conundrums that I come up against. Should we put the TV on the side by the front door or by the future French doors to the patio? Should we angle the couch so that the TV and the fireplace are focal points from the couch or should we keep it squared up against that wall? What do we put on the other side of the fireplace from the TV? Hopefully my photos give you a good perspective on the space. I would truly appreciate your input on this awkwardly long space. Again, I love your podcast. I really appreciate the heart and care you put into each and every one of them. I hope your family is happy and healthy. Thanks, Meg. Well, Meg, my family is healthy and I feel so grateful for that. Are we happy? <laughs> it depends on the day. I'm most happy when 
I'm homeschooling because I have found that I really love homeschooling. And then the second time I'm most happy is when I sneak away to my storefront, I lock the door because nobody is coming in, and I'm able to go back to my little interior design bubble, back to my comfort zone. And when I'm in my bubble, I sometimes record a podcast and answer your questions. So let me get down to it. As you know from listening to previous episodes, the very hardest thing for me to weigh in on on a podcast is the layout because I like to do my due diligence using my master layout system. I never create a layout just going on gut, just going on principles. I want to be systematic trying every possible option using my formula, my master layout system. So I'm not going to tell you what to do here, but I can tell you some things to consider, some things to think about. First of all, you mentioned that you want the TV viewing area, but maybe you want a bar, maybe you want a reading area, maybe you want a dog feeding area. The key with any room, whether it's a very difficult room or a pretty straightforward room, is to outline the functions that you want that room to perform in order of priority. Really commit to what you want it to do because if you ask too much of a space, it's going to always feel overburdened. It's never going to perform any one function correctly because everything will look so jammed in and you're trying to do too much in one area. If you have a big space like this and you don't give it enough to do, you don't fill it enough or think about the functions that you want it to perform thoroughly enough, well, it may look empty or ill-considered. The one thing that you do want, if one of your priorities, and it sounds like it is the top priority, is to have that good TV viewing, is that you want seating that's parallel to the TV screen. Whether you decide to put the TV on a corner stand, which is angled, then ideally the couch would be angled. If the TV is on a wall, ideally you want the couch opposite that wall, so it has that perfect parallel viewing. If TV viewing is not a large priority for you, then that viewing does not have to be perfect. It does not have to be completely parallel because the TV viewing is somewhat of an afterthought. But for most of us, especially during this time, we are watching a lot of TV very seriously and parallel viewing would be a must. A 27-foot long room can perform a lot of functions, but you also need to have some usable walls for some of the functions you're talking about, like a bar, like a reading area where ideally you'd have some kind of nook. Uh, So you want to think about that because I can see that these walls are broken up by sliding doors, by big um, fireplaces, by openings. The other thing you want to think about is sort of what those functions need. If you're thinking about that bar area or that dog feeding area, you may find that you want it next to the kitchen where you can easily access ice or water or dog food. So these are all considerations you wanna have in mind as you're working. 
Uh, also, you want to think about who is going to be involved in these functions. If you're going to have a lot of people watching TV, whether it's sporting events or the Oscars and you're having a party and want a lot of people to be able to optimally view the TV, then when you're considering that TV viewing seating area, you want to make sure that a lot of the seats can see the screen. And then you'll need a bigger area and perhaps that reading area can take a smaller back seat. So as I said, there's lots to consider here and it's not straightforward when the center of the room kind of divides the room into three pieces, which this central fireplace does. It's divided this really long room into three zones and that central zone is somewhat unusable because uh, we can't mount the TV above the fireplace. It's too high, it's stone, and that's not always the perfect scenario anyway. Anyway, so think about maybe creating two zones rather than being forced to do three and kind of overlapping that second most important zone, the TV viewing zone, maybe into that fireplace area. These are just a few things for you to consider as you're creating that perfect layout, Megan. But I'm really excited that you have found that ideal home. Isn't that such a great feeling when you found the one when you can commit, and then even more exciting, when you can make it your own, like a fixer-upper. I myself love older homes. I love the character and charm. I am familiar with the challenges that come with that, but I can't see myself in the future ever purchasing a new build. I just love old homes. The older, the better. I belong to a lot of those Facebook groups like Captivating Properties and Castle and Keep. And I find myself going down rabbit holes of just looking at all these old details that they just don't make the same way anymore. Whether it's decorative trim, wainscoting, or even just the gingerbread on the outside of a Victorian. I really find myself inspired by older homes. And it sounds like you do too. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Are you loving this podcast? Would you want even more interior design content? Maybe a sneak peek into how I work with my clients? Maybe uh, listening to me read a little bit in my interior design diary? Well, you will want to become a premium member. For as little as $5.99 a month, you will help to support this podcast, keeping us on the airwaves week after week, but you will also get access to our bonus archive of over 50 episodes, including a fresh monthly episode. Additionally, when you submit a question to info at Affordable Interior Design, it will get bumped to the top of the mailbag if you are a premium member. No longer will you have to wait to get your questions answered by me. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com podcast to become a premium member today. I would really appreciate it. My next question comes from Heather. Heather writes, Betsy, I love listening to the podcast and hearing all the questions from listeners. Here's my question. My builder husband is making me a banquette and built-in shelving in our dining room. 
I'm not sure how to approach the window treatments. The majority of the banquette is under a window. We already have white wood blinds and those are going to stay. There isn't a lot of space on one side to have a rod extend beyond the window. There's literally about three to four inches. I had originally been planning on putting curtain panels on either side of the window, but now I'm questioning that given the space issue. What do you think is my best option? Should I just leave the window with blinds? Should I do a Roman shade? Do I do the panels? I have attached pictures. It is a work in progress right now, but it is almost done. All the wood will be painted white and there will be black granite countertops on the lower cabinet. Please excuse the puzzle that is in the picture. We are keeping ourselves occupied while we shelter in place. Thanks, Heather. P.S. I have a quick aside. Do you post the photos anywhere? You do a good job verbally describing the situations, but I sometimes would actually like to see the room myself. Heather, I'm going to answer your P.S. before I get to your other questions. Yes, that is the reason why I am creating Affordable Interior Design TV so that you can be looking at these pictures while I describe my proposed solutions. Uh, Affordable Interior Design TV is coming. I am feeling newly inspired. I am dedicating some time, uh, cutting into my self-care, and instead making recording those videos my new self-care. I will let you know the minute it launches, and I will be posting these pictures to help you visualize each scenario. All right, what we have here is we have a dining room and this window is really off center in between the built-ins. As you mentioned, there's only a couple of inches between the left side of the window and the built-in and there's a couple of feet between the right-hand side and the built-in. Additionally, there's a window seat or banquette, as you describe, under the window that fully extends between both built-ins. Because there is that window seat there, you do not want curtains because the curtains would need to be cropped. They would look ridiculous. As you're seated on that banquette, your back would scrunch the drapery or, you know, the drapery would be at your back, which is not ideal. In my mind and how I like to approach design conundrums is process of elimination. Which one of these window treatments can we eliminate? The very first one we can eliminate is the drapery. That is a no-go. I hate cropped curtains unless it is a kitchen window, which I still hate, or a kid's room, which I still kind of hate. Uh, I just hate cropped curtains. And uh, I really don't like the idea that the rod would be so close to that built-in. I mean, there's just a couple of inches to spare. You asked about a Roman blind. I think a Roman blind would be a beautiful solution to this issue. A Roman blind is that fabric blind that goes up in rectilinear chunks. It can provide that color and softness that a drape also provides while not having the same issues of needing room on the side, needing to be cropped. However, you mentioned that you are not getting rid of this white wood blind. And if you don't get rid of the white wood blind, well, you're not going to layer another blind on top of it. That would be ridiculous, Heather. We do not 
double blind. Uh, the other con with a Roman shade is that it has a lot of fabric at the top. When you open that blind, it all pools at the top and oftentimes leaves you with as much as 8 to 18 inches of fabric, which means that you may want to mount that Roman blind higher than the window frame so that way it's not encroaching and eating up a lot of your beautiful natural light. The other problem with most Roman shades is they are either fully down or fully up, meaning that light cannot filter through them. That's why I like these white slatted blinds because you can adjust it with the wand so that light gets filtered. You can also choose with the cord to have it be up or down. I just think it offers you a lot of options. I'm inclined to keep this white wood blind. Um, I think that is really going to be your best option. And even though it looks quite simplistic and not very um, special, you can make the area around it look quite special. You have a beautiful patterned rug that is really invigorating with this emerald, mauve, light blue, mint. Looks like you have like an emerald green set of dining chairs. Uh, you have a really cool painting that plays on the colors from the rug. I'm loving the look of this dining room. Even though it's in process, I can see that final picture in my mind. And I don't think you need to further gild this lily. I hope that helps, Heather. Next question. My next question comes from Layla. Layla writes me, Betsy, please help. I hope you're staying well and healthy. My family, I stay with my parents, and I have recently shifted into a new home. We finished decorating the rest of the house. However, in my bedroom, I feel that there is still something missing and I don't know what. Firstly, I need to get a rug or mat, but I don't know what color it should be. First, I thought I should get something to match the curtains or maybe match the duvet. And should it be one color? Should it be patterned? I've inserted some photos for a reference. The picture of the mats are from my local mat shop. I marked the ones I'm thinking of getting. Should I get a rug or one of these mats? All right, so I think something for me is getting lost in translation because I'm trying to discern what is the difference between a rug and a mat in your situation. As you're showing me these pictures, you're referring to these mats as like rolled carpeting. It's rolled low pile carpeting that looks somewhat like a runner rug because the bolts are not that long. They're probably around three feet long. Uh, so I don't have a clear sense. One thing I can tell you is that I would not base the color palette of the room off of a duvet because a duvet gets frequent washings, which means that it's going to wear out sooner than say a rug or your drapes, which are not going to get frequent washings most likely. I never use bedding as an inspiration piece because, like I said, you're going to wash it, you're going to dry it, it's going to get a hole, you're going to have to switch it out, and then you're going to have to find a new bedding inspiration piece because the chances of that bedding being in stock one to two years later are low. Uh, I am inclined to make an inspiration piece in this particular room, either this rug or mat, as you describe, or a piece of art. You do have a lot of walls in this space, and they are currently empty. 
And you really need something above these walls, or on these walls, excuse me, to provide some visual interest in the room. I would be encouraging you to find some artwork that makes a really interesting big statement. And then you can do something slightly more subdued with the rug and just bring in a pop of color with that bedding. Maybe it's a solid so you don't have to worry about the patterns competing with the artwork. That being said, I'm not totally against a rug or a mat, as you call it, having a pattern, but this floor is a wood grain that has a lot going on. It has very light patches that are almost a super light stained gray. And then it has these darker, richer patches that are like a gray beige, and it's broken up frequently into many different planks. I can't tell if it's a vinyl or a tile or an actual stained wood, but because it has so much intrinsically going on visually, so much contrast within itself, I'm loath to have you put a highly patterned rug on top of this very busy flooring. Layla, I hope that helped to answer the question. I think there might be some more questions in your email. Let me see. Oh, well, here we go. I already kind of answered this one. You write, can you tell me what else is missing from the room? What should I add to my room? You need artwork. You need artwork. Also, it's very minimal in here. I'm seeing an armoire. I'm seeing a fold-down desk, a nightstand, and your bed. Every room needs some lamps. In addition to overhead lighting, lamps on a human level, whether it's a table lamp or a floor lamp, create cozy pools of light that make the space feel more uh, comfortable, less like an interrogation room, and also help to define the zones. I definitely think in addition to artwork, you could use some lamps. It also looks like for this fold-down wall desk, you may want a chair since it's not at standing height. I think you're going to need a chair somewhere in this room to push under that desk when you're working there. Those would be some things that I immediately am seeing and thinking you need to add. All right, you later ask, finally, I have a question about your interior design courses. What is the difference between your academy and your three 40-minute online courses? All right, let me break it down for you, Layla. The Academy is for somebody who wants to become an interior designer and make money. The courses online that I offer, the three for $99 with a copy of my book, those are for somebody who wants to do this as a hobby, who wants to be more informed, who wants more information, who wants to dig a little bit deeper, but who isn't planning on using those tips to drive a business because they really are more focused on the hobbyist, on someone who just wants to go a little bit deeper and know a little bit more, but may not want to actually make this a part or full-time career. The Academy is focused on teaching those foundational tips, a lot of which is covered in the podcast, but then we go a lot deeper in the Academy. I give you business structure ideas. I give you ways to succeed with a client. The entire process is actually seen through the lens of you taking clients and and turning what you learn into profit. I go into detail on my master layout system. There are spreadsheets, there's memorization, there are client projects I expect you to do, homework, checklists, and it's just a different, much more robust system. 
Additionally, with the Academy, there are one-on-one coaching sessions with me or with my co-teacher, Paulina, because we want to make sure that not only are you learning the concepts, but you're able to apply them immediately to client scenarios. So it's much more robust than my online classes, and of course, infinitely more robust than the podcast, which is able to touch on a lot of different things, but doesn't drill down. You ask, do I issue a certificate with the Academy? I don't issue a certificate with the Academy because I'm not going to grade anyone who's in it. I do provide feedback on homework, should people want that. I provide feedback on their websites for their new business. I provide feedback on their client presentations, but I'm not going to flunk anyone out of the Academy. It really is all about your process and your own intrinsic motivation. That being said, I do give a badge of completion. So once you submit your final project at the end of the 10-week course, uh, you can take longer to take the class, but it's 10 weeks at its fastest. And at the end, there is a culmination project and that you do submit to me. And when you submit that, I review it, I give you some final notes, and once you have edited it based on the notes, you will get a certificate of completion, which is a small badge that you can put on your website to let people know that you have completed the Affordable Interior Design Academy. You also write, can it be used abroad or is the Academy only for America? The Academy is not only for America. We have international students from Canada to New Zealand. And it's a very exciting program because it's not specifically geared towards one country. I do not spend a lot of time talking about individual stores. First of all, the stores that we have here in America are not even homogenous throughout the 50 states. What we have on the East Coast is very different than the landscape on the West Coast in terms of retailers. The other reason I don't focus on stores is what I mentioned earlier in this podcast, is that my feelings about different stores change greatly. And so that would not be something that's evergreen. The only thing that makes the course somewhat United States specific is that I work in inches. So you would need to convert that to centimeters if that is the system that your country uses. All right, you ask, I would like to do the Academy. So would you recommend that I do both the Academy and your online classes or are the two very similar? If you're going to do the Academy, you absolutely should not do the online classes. You are ready to dig in. You don't need to get your toe wet with my online classes. You can just jump in with both feet to the Academy. However, I do recommend that you start first with my quiz. If you go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash academy, there is a quiz there that you can take to let you know which is the best path for you in your next step of your interior design journey. Should you be thinking of this as a hobby? Are you ready to make it a career? Should you be looking at a different program besides the AID Academy? I crafted this quiz myself to help you truly understand what direction you should be going in. And if the Academy is right for you, there will be a link at the end of that quiz where you can sign up for an exploratory call with me. I don't want anybody in the Academy who's not in just the right place. I want to vet 
each student in the academy so I can ensure that you're going to get a ton of value from this program because not only is it time consuming, not only are there modules, things to learn, places to really dig in, but also it's an investment. And I want to make sure that you're going to be recouping that investment by earning money back. Um, and I want to make sure that this is the best way for you to do it. So that's why we have a tailored call with me so I can ensure that it's your perfect next step. But the first step is to take that quiz on the website. All right. If so, do you have recommendations for other online interior designing courses if I should take another course alongside the academy? Again, it really depends on your goals. And that is something that I ask during that introduction call. So when you sign up for a call after you've taken that initial quiz and determined that the academy might be a fit, I'll ask you to go even deeper with your aspirations. I'll ask you to think about your future and what you want that to look like. And then I can clearly guide you because the academy is a great fit for people who want to own their own business, do their own thing, but it is not a perfect fit for everyone. If you want to work at a high-end firm in an urban market, there's probably a different path for you. And I'll help to guide you there um, on that exploratory call, should that be your goal. All right, you end the note, Layla, by saying, I really like to listen to your podcast. They are very helpful. Keep up the great work. I appreciate you taking the time to answer all my questions. Layla, it was a pleasure. Guys, if you're listening and you have questions, please send them to info at affordableinteriordesign.com. If you are a premium member, make sure to put that in the subject line so that way I can answer your question ASAP. All premium member questions go to the top of my mailbag and I can't wait to answer more of your questions in the future. Once again, that's info at affordableinteriordesign.com. Stay safe, everyone. Stay healthy. Wear your masks. And until next week, bye. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.